Good morning. Welcome to the Lord's house. Glad that you're here. Are you glad you're here? Yes. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together. Will you stand? Let's sing about the glorious day he called our name. Amen. Hey, doesn't that get you excited or what? Man, it's good to see everybody. I'm so glad that you're here. I don't know about you, but I was thinking back to that moment when I needed rescue and my sins were heavy. And the moment that I called out to Jesus' name, he snapped those chains as if they were nothing. Amen? 
Amen. I rejoice in the salvation and in the Redeemer that I have through Jesus Christ. Amen. And uh, I, I know that he can still do those amazing things today um, in, in the little things of our life and in the big things. Nothing can, can get into his way of getting to us and making sure that we are made whole. Amen. Amen. Hey, what, what about that winter weather, right? Anyone get out and play in the snow yesterday? Anyone? How about throwing a snowball at your loved ones? Good. Jed hit me in the lobby with one because the senior citizen pastor gave him the idea to do so. So, hey, it's good. I'm praying for three more feet of snow. I love it. This northern boy, it makes me miss home. So, anyways, it's good. But we're glad that you're here. We believe that God has something awesome in this place for us. So, I invite you all to stand, and we're going to ask God's anointing on our services. Let's pray. Lord, we love you, and again, thank you so much for bringing us back into this place, God. We pray for something amazing to happen here today, and as um, we continue to worship, um, and as the preaching of your word comes through Brother Will, I pray that you just send your spirit down and, and resonate and settle amongst your people, God. We want something incredible to happen, and I pray that as your word is spoken, walls are broken down, and we hear and we receive what you have to say, God. Uh, we want to be that shining city on a hill. We want to be that, that place and, and be that people where we go out um, unashamed at sharing the word of the gospel and, and bringing people to you. We want to see salvation come to all that we know. And, Lord, I pray that you give us the courage and the strength to do so. But fuel us with your word today. Fill us with your spirit. And let your peace rest on us as we hear what you have to say. We love you in your name. Amen. Let's continue to worship.
the house of the Lord today, and we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. change your life, um, whether it's a positive statement, um, you're amazing, you can do this, you got this, I believe in you, or if it's the negative, you are worthless, why can't you be like your sister, <laughs> you know, you're never going to amount to anything, what they said about you was true, um, I'm sure all of you can relate to that. Um, whether it's positive or negative, we've all had that in our lives. But there is one statement that changes everything. And it's the title of this song. It just says, Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. Say that to yourself. Jesus loves me. Amen. Nothing changes our lives like that phrase. We were lost. We were dead in our sin. But Jesus loved me. He comes right where you are, guys. If you don't know him today, hear those words. Jesus loves you. Your life can be different.
say that, Father. You came to save anyone who would believe on you and call on your name. I praise you this morning for who you are and what you can do in our lives. Father, that you can change all those negative statements that we may have heard our whole life just with that simple statement of belief and faith that Jesus loves me. My life can be changed. Our lives can be changed forever. Yes. Forever. Lord, I praise you today for your holiness, for your goodness, for your power that sets us free, that breaks chains, that removes addictions, that removes yes. sin from yes. our life, God. We praise you because there is none other but the name of Jesus. Jesus, the precious name of Jesus. We love you in this place today. We give you glory and honor for who you are. You alone are worthy of our praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Everybody said, amen. Give the praise team a big hand. Man, they did phenomenal today, just like every Sunday. Appreciate them so much. Well, week before last, we were in uh, Pagosa Springs skiing at Wolf Creek. And uh, the week prior to that, it had snowed over 100 inches on that mountain. And uh, it even sm snowed while we were there. Angie asked me a question. She said, do you think this place ever shuts down? I mean, all the snow that they give, do you think the schools ever dismiss because of bad weather days? And I just kind of laughed and said, no, they just live with it, you know? I mean, it's a part of their life. The more snow, the better. We get, we get a dusting in Fort Smith, and you know what happens? <laughs> Everything shuts down. So there, there are not nearly as many people in this room as normal. You know what that means? You've just got to be a little louder, can you? Can, hey, can y'all get rowdy right now? Come on. Oh, that's great. Phenomenal. Fantastic. Well, you're going to need it. You're going to need it. You know, I, I'm, I'm really ashamed of myself. I honestly am. I, I'm, I'm kind of to the point, and I don't know if it's just, you know, old age or, or, or what, but I can't hardly sit down and watch the evening news on TV anymore. I mean, it just, it, it, it frustrates me. It, it kind of it makes me a little bit angry. And I ask myself this question multiple times in a week. What is this world coming to? And I wonder, how much worse can America get before we really face the judgment of God? Many phrases have been used to describe our times, including postmodern neo-pagan, post-Christian. Those are really just fancy terms that, that simply means our culture has largely turned away from its Judeo-Christian heritage. We may carry coins in our pocket and purse that say, in God we trust, but that motto has become a saying without much meaning. Robert George, a professor at Princeton University, recently said, the days of socially acceptable Christianity in the West are surely over. The days of comfortable Christian orthodoxy have passed. Mike Huckabee, former governor of Arkansas, recently said, Christian convictions are under attack like never before. Not just in our lifetime, but ever before in the history of this great nation. He went on to say, we are moving rapidly toward the criminalization of Christianity. We are there. The moral revolution in America is proceeding ahead with warp speed. We can argue about whether we were ever the moral majority in this country or not. If we were, we certainly aren't now. Christians are part of a vanishing moral minority 
in America. The liberals are calling it this brave new world. I call it this crazy new world. Once again, we come back to the question that Francis Schaeffer posted in the title of his most famous book, How Should We Then Live? And I think that's a pretty good question we need to answer as we start 2022. In light of world circumstances and in light of the deterioration of the family and the home in America, how then should we live? To help us answer that question a little bit better, I'd like for us over the next several weeks to unpack Matthew chapter 10. I've never preached this entire chapter, but I feel a conviction under the Holy Spirit of God to lead our church through Matthew chapter 10 over the next few Sundays. This passage is where Jesus commissions his 12 apostles. These ancient words in Matthew chapter 10 speak directly to the issues that we face in the 21st century. And some of you don't think that, that what's happening in our world or even politics belongs in the church. I tend to disagree with that. I believe the Word of God speaks directly to the day in which we live and the issues that we are facing. We stand where the first band of brave, young believers stood. The earliest Christians, these 12 men we are about to read about in Matthew chapter 10, faced a world that was pagan, that was idolatrous, immoral, superstitious, and spiritually restless. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus gathered these men around him and gave them their marching orders. Hang on to that, because I think God is giving Kavanaugh its marching orders for 2022. And what he said to them, he is saying to us today. So church, open your ears. Let's hear the word of the Lord. Matthew chapter 10, we're going to look at the entire chapter throughout the next few weeks, but today we're going to look at the first 15 verses. So let me read Matthew chapter 10, beginning in verse number 1. Summoning his 12, that is, he called his 12 disciples, and he gave them authority over unclean spirits to drive them out and to heal every disease and every sickness. So basically, he is empowering his disciples to do what he did. He's giving them power to work in the name of Jesus Christ. In church, he has given us that same power. His power has become our power. These are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother. James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. Philip and Bartholomew. Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. James, the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. Jesus sent out these 12 after giving them instructions. Don't take the road that leads to the Gentiles, and don't enter any Samaritan town. Instead, go to the lost house of the sheep of Israel. And as you go, this is the message you are to proclaim. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those with leprosy, drive out demons. I love this next verse. Freely you received, freely give. Don't acquire gold, silver, or copper for your money belts. Don't take a traveling bag for the road or an extra shirt or sandals or a staff. For the worker is worthy of his hire. When you enter into any village or town, find out who is worthy. And you stay there until you leave. Greet the household when you enter into it. And if the household is worthy, then you let your peace stay on it. But if it is unworthy, let your peace return unto you. For if anyone does not welcome you or listen to your words, shake the dust off of your feet when you leave that house or that town. Truly I tell you, it will be more tolerable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. That's what I'm waiting for. 
That's one of those wow passages of Scripture. Would you pray with me, and then we're going to study it. Heavenly Father, I love you so much. Thank you for this day. Thank you for the snow that you've given, Lord. I thank you for your hand of creation, your hand of blessing. And I pray, dear Lord, that you would just shower blessings on us today as Kavanaugh Church. Lord, you gave your 12 apostles marching orders in Matthew chapter 10. I pray that we would receive those marching orders today. And as I speak on the outside, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I've been studying this passage for the last couple of weeks, and every time I come to study it, I am reminded of that bold declaration that is made by Paul in Romans chapter 1, verse 16. And I think that's a pretty good verse to read today because this is January 16th. So this is 116, all right? So our verse is Romans 1:16, and I want you to read this verse out loud with me. Everyone read it. Paul said, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. What a bold declaration. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. How relevant and pertinent those words are for us today. And as we look at Matthew chapter 10, verses 1 through 15, I find three reasons why we should never, ever be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Reason number one, we shouldn't be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is Christ who has called us. This passage begins with these words. Then he called his disciples unto himself. Jesus called these 12 men to himself. And then beginning in verse number 12 or 2, it lists these men. These are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, who is called Peter, Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon, the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, the same one who betrayed him. Now, there are a whole lot of things we could say about these 12 men. In fact, we could spend 12 Sundays preaching about these 12 men. We're not going to do that, but we could, all right? These are interesting guys. And if you want further study on these men, I would suggest that you read John MacArthur's book entitled, 12 Ordinary Men. Does that ring a bell? Either read the book or listen to Brother Jason's sermons that he recently preached on Wednesday nights from the title of that book, 12 Ordinary Men. I think that's a pretty good title because it really represents these men to the T. When Jesus chose his men, he did not pick famous people. Jesus chose ordinary people, average guys. They were mostly from Galilee, which meant that they tended to be blue-collar guys. They didn't come from the big city, Jerusalem. They weren't the sort of men who held high office or made a whole lot of money. They were men who knew something about working long hours and putting in hard work. We can make a further observation about them as well. Jesus knew the weakness in all 12 of these men. But he called them anyway. May I say, well, what, what are you talking about? Well, think about this list. James and John, these two brothers, were the impetuous sons of thunder. Now, you can take that a lot of different ways, but one of the ways that you ought to take it is that sometimes they opened their mouth and spoke before they thought. Any of you like that? They were kind of like in-your-face type people, but Jesus called them anyway. Peter denied him. Thomas doubted him. Simon was a zealot. That means he was a revolutionary. And Judas betrayed him. And the thing about it is, Jesus knew that before he called them, yet he called them anyway. Ding, 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 ding. Light came on in my brain when I was looking at that this past week. And here's what Jesus said to me. God works with sinners because that's all he's got to work with. You see, in heaven, we will be vastly improved, won't we? 
We will be perfected by God's grace. But until then, if God is going to have his work done, he is going to have to use imperfect people because that's who we are. Imperfect people. And he uses imperfect people so that he can display his power through our own human weakness. That's pretty cool. There's one other thing to notice here. Jesus calls these men to himself. He called them to be his followers, his disciples, to serve him. One day, Peter is a fisherman. The very is sitting in his tax collector's office being hated by everyone in town. The next day, he is following Jesus down the dusty roads of Galilee doing whatever Jesus asked him to do. Note that Christ first calls men to himself, just like he called you, just like he calls us. To come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come unto me and serve me. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. That means that one day we were busy doing our own thing, and then the very next day we gave it all up to serve Jesus. That's his power. This truth is both encouraging, but it's also a bit frightening. It ought to encourage us that Jesus calls imperfect people because that means all of us qualify. It's a little bit frightening because when he calls us, we follow him and we go without knowing what's going to happen tomorrow. And that can be a little bit frightening, can it? And you, you tend to kind of back up and, and kind of avoid that because it's a little bit scary. But can, can I just encourage you to look at it a different way? It can be very exciting, not knowing what God has in store for us today, the people he's going to bring into our life, the work he's going to do through our hands and our feet, our mind and our voice. Stephen Curtis Chapman called it a great adventure. And let me tell you, it is. Why should we never be ashamed of the gospel? Because Jesus himself has called us. And let, let me make something perfectly clear. He's if you're saved, he's called you. We tend to think God only calls preachers or missionaries or Sunday school teachers. No, if you are a believer, Danny, he's called you. He's equipped you. He has something for you to do. He has called each one of you. You are on mission with God. He's giving you marching orders today. His hand is on you. His anointing is on you. His call is on you. We should never be ashamed of the gospel because Jesus called us. Number two, we should never be ashamed of the gospel because he's also equipped us. Look with me at Matthew chapter 10, verses 5 through 10. He said, don't take the road that leads to other nations. Other translations say, don't take the road that leads to the Gentiles and don't enter into any Samaritan town. Instead, go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, announce this. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those with skin disease, drive out demons. You have received free of charge, give free of charge. Don't take along any gold or silver or copper for your money belts. Don't take a traveling bag for the road or an extra shirt or sandals or a walking stick for the worker is worthy of his food. Now, right up front, we run into this unusual command. Jesus said, don't go to the Gentiles. Don't go into any Samaritan town. And we wonder, well, how can that apply to us today? Well, here's what you got to remember. Je Jesus is only talking to 12 men here. These are the first he's sending out. This, it, this is the beginning. It is the initiative of the Great Commission. And he just started with these 12 guys. These 12 guys couldn't go everywhere. They couldn't go to all the nations. So here's what he said to them. And get this, it's so important. I want you to start where you are. 
Start where you are. Let's start right here with our people, the folks that you rub shoulders with every day, our towns and in this area. Let's start right here. Don't worry about it. He expanded this call later on, didn't he? Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, even the uttermost parts of the world. But let's start where we are. And guys, I think that that is so significant for us today. January the 16th, 2022, as Kavanaugh Free Will Baptist Church God's calling on us and his equipping for us is to start where we are. You start with your family, with your friends, with your network, those you work with. Start where you are, and then we'll expand it. Then he tells them what to say. Here's what he said. You tell them the kingdom of heaven has come. You tell them the kingdom of heaven is near. You see, when the king comes to town... It can't be business as usual. The king is here. So spread the word. Tell your friends. Come and see the king. Jesus wants his disciples to spread the word that the king has come to town. You know what? Let's don't make this more difficult than it needs to be. That's what he's telling us to do. You start where you are and you tell people about me, Jesus says. You tell them about the king that can change their life. Preacher, I just, I, I don't know enough about evangelism. I, I can't remember the Romans road to evangelism. You know what? You've got a story, don't you? Did Jesus save you? You've got a story to tell. You tell them how Jesus changed you. And he can change them as well. That's cool, man. And here's proof that the king has come. The sick are healed. The dead are raised. The lepers are cleansed. Demons are cast out. Jesus says, you go in my name and you help people who are hurting. And in saying these words, Jesus established this pattern that has lasted for over 2,000 years because wherever the gospel goes, burdens are lifted. Despite what the world says, despite what the liberal media is saying, Christianity is a good thing. Christianity is changing bad people and making them into good people. That's what the gospel does. It's Christians who established orphanages and started hospitals and food banks and helped people. It's because that's what we do. The followers of Jesus did all these things. Why? Because their master sent them out into the world to help hurting people and to heal the sick. And then I love these words in verse number 8. Freely you have received... Freely give. (laughs) Wow. Freely you have received, Nathan. Freely give. If the gospel is free, and it is, isn't it? If the gospel really is free, then we ought to give away what God has given to us. Church, listen, I believe the whole Christian life can be summarized in six words. From God to us to others. That's what it's about. Read that with me. From God to us to others. Now say it really loud. From God to us to others. What starts with God comes down to us in this torrent of grace and mercy. We didn't deserve it. We didn't earn it. It's a gift from God. So, look at me. Have you been forgiven? Then forgive. Have you found mercy? Show mercy. Have you received a blessing? Then give a blessing. Just take what God has given to you and give it away to somebody else. Really, again, we we try to complicate things. It's not that complicated. 
That's the whole Christian life summed up in one sentence. Take what God has given to you and give it to somebody else. And here's the promise. Jesus will give you everything you need to do what he's called you to do. He'll equip you. So why should we never be ashamed of the gospel of Christ? Because he's called us and he's equipped us. Number three, he's also prepared us. I want you to look at verses 11 through 13. When you enter a town or village, find out who is worthy in that town or that village and stay there until you leave. Greet a household when you enter into it and if the household is worthy, let your peace be on it. But if it is unworthy, then you let your peace return unto you. You know, at first that verse seems difficult because we can't grasp this concept of giving our peace away and then taking it back. But in fact, it really is very practical advice. It was a, it was a saying, an ancient saying in God's day. Bless people, but if, if they don't receive the blessing, you take the blessing back. Really, these words of Jesus are based on two realities of evangelism that are still true today. The first truth is this. We never know how people are going to respond to us when we talk to them about Jesus. Or even invite them to church. We don't know how people are going to respond. And secondly, we respond to others as they respond to us. Why? Because there is this spiritual dynamic that is going on. I am talking to someone about their, their life, their faith. I'm talking to someone about Jesus Christ. But guess who else is involved in that conversation? The Holy Spirit of God. And there's this spiritual dimension within the conversation. And so we respond to others as they respond to us. And if there's interest and they ask questions, we answer those questions. If they are bold in defiance, then the door is shut. And here's the reality. When we go on mission with God and we follow these marching orders that he is giving us today, when we tell other people about Jesus and invite them into the faith, some people will be offended. Some people will scoff at you. Some people will ignore you. For years, I, I couldn't figure out why some people ignored me. I'm, I'm serious. It, it, it got to a point where it was really bothering me because, you know, like when Zane was in sports and, and, and playing ball and we'd see these people day after day at practice and week after week at games and, and I would try to engage them and be friendly with them and, and always encouraging them, uh, talking good about their kid even though their kid couldn't play ball. I was, you know, just. <laughs> and, you know, I'm, Jason, no lie, people, some people would see me coming and they, I thought they'd turn around and go the other way. I'm thinking, why? Angie, why would anybody not want to be around me <laughs> and then you know what then one day it dawned on me not not necessarily because of me it's because of who I represent and let me tell you that that's that's hard for somebody like me to swallow because I I want people to like me when people don't like me it's hard but, but I know that is a reality. Some people are going to ignore me because of who I represent. But you know, there's a, there's a flip side to that as well. Some people will listen when you tell them about Jesus. Some people will be deeply touched. Some people will want to know more. And others will receive the good news of the gospel. And Jesus wants to prepare his disciples for the whole spirit spectrum of responses that we will face so he says when you enter a village you can't predict in advance who is going to welcome you and who is going to reject you you've got to be ready for whatever happens and it's good to be able to say god bless you but sometimes you need to unbless those who do not wish to hear the good news of the gospel because some people don't want to listen 
Some people will mock you and attack you. Some people will use social media to spread vile lies and rumors about you. And some people will even hate you. What do we do then? (laughs) Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. I certainly don't want to offend anybody. I guess I'll just retreat. Be quiet. Keep my Christianity to myself. No. What advice does Jesus give when people reject you? Look at it, verse 14. You shake the dust off your feet and you leave that house or that town. Wow. You know what? That's a very liberating statement, isn't it? Jesus is saying, look at me. I'm losing some of you. He's saying, don't quit. Don't quit. Just because somebody doesn't want to hear, just because somebody is offended, just because somebody says no, just because somebody ignores you, don't quit. You shake the dust off your feet and you go on down the road. Tell somebody else. It reminds me of a song I shared with you not too long ago, Kenny Rogers, one of my favorite. You got to know when to hold them. Know when to fold them, know when to walk away. Our passage ends with a very sobering word. Look at verse 15. I assure you it will be more tolerable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town or that city. Now that truly is a shocking statement by our loving Savior. It will be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah than for the city or town or the person that rejects Jesus Christ. You say, but preacher, Sodom and Gomorrah were totally destroyed by God, weren't they? Yes, fire and brimstone rained down upon them and wiped them out. Thus we learn two really important truths. Number one, light received leads to more light. Jesus is inside of me. He is the light of the world. And Ronnie, when I share Jesus with somebody who's living in darkness and by faith they believe, the light comes on in their life as well. And that light has doubled. Light received produces more light. More people get saved, more light. More people get saved, the glow broadens. The city gets better. The town gets better. The schools get better. More people get saved. America becomes better. But here's that second truth. Light rejected leads to more darkness. When I try to share that light and they say no, they remain in darkness. And the more people living in spiritual darkness, the darker our world becomes. Which leads me to ask a question. What in the world is God going to do with America? There's not many old timers in this room. I don't remember him saying it because I wasn't born, but I have read it since then. Sixty years ago, Billy Graham, in one of his crusades, said, if God doesn't judge America... He's going to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. That's some bold preaching, isn't it? That was 60 years ago. I personally believe that judgment has already started. As a nation, we have rejected God's truth about life, about family, about marriage. As a nation, without a conscience, we kill unborn babies. We feel free to redefine marriage and gender. No wonder America is in trouble. What is our response? Here's what it should be. 
We preach the good news. We preach the gospel. In love, we tell the truth about Jesus Christ. Why? Because gospel preaching forces people to make a decision. You can't straddle the fence when you hear gospel preaching. And if we take the words of Jesus seriously, then we should not be surprised at the road that is before us. Church, listen to me. Hard times are coming. Harder times are coming. Persecution is coming. Families are going to be divided. Churches are going to be split. Christians are going to be marginalized. Should we be discouraged? No. Jesus said all these things are going to happen. Brothers and sisters, we're back where it all started. In a great sense, we've gone back to the first century. We have gone back to the early days of the Christian movement. God is calling us back to the future as we get our marching orders for 2022. Here's the true story of the world. Sit on the edge of your seat and listen to this true story of the world. Jesus Christ is risen, and he is King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen. You know what? Nothing can change that. The president can't veto that. Congress can't overrule that. No Supreme Court decision can put Jesus back in the grave. So despair is not an option. You know what? We are not the first generation to face persecution as believers. <laughs> and we're really not that bad off, guys. You just talk to some brothers and sisters in other parts of the world. Talk to those Christians who are being systematically eradicated in the Middle East. We got good news. Christ has won the victory. Jesus is risen indeed. Nobody can put him back in the grave. God is not surprised by the Supreme Court decisions that are made. He is not floored by Planned Parenthood. He is not intimidated by the doubters. We preach a Christ who will save anyone who comes in repentance to him. We preach a Christ who will rule the nations. Our marching orders today, January the 16th, 2022, are the same as they were in the beginning. Never be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are on a mission from God. The harvest is ripe before us. Some people will hear and receive. Other people will reject our message. But when they do, we just shake the dust off our feet and go on down the road to somebody else. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting Jesus. So you just keep on telling people about him. The harvest remains plentiful around the world. These are great days. So quit watching the news. Read the Bible. Quit listening to politicians. Listen to the Holy Spirit. And I'm serious about this, guys. These are our marching orders. This is a tough passage. Matthew 10, 1 through 15 is tough. You come back next week, it's going to get tougher. It's going to become more difficult. But it's what God has called us to do. He's called us. He's equipped us. He's prepared us. He's not asking you to do anything that you can't do without his grace, mercy, and power. So let's just get with it. Put on your work boots. Let's go to work. There is absolutely no reason other than snow that this room shouldn't be filled to capacity Two times every Sunday. We, we have enough chairs to double the number of people or chairs that are in here right now. There ain't no reason it shouldn't be full twice. And we start three services or four services. Why? Because the harvest is ripe. People need Jesus. But for that to happen, you're going to have to take seriously your call. And I'm, just give me a second. 
Hang with me. Don't lose me. Because you know what I'm doing. I'm looking at every one of you. It's not just Brother Will's job, or Brother Jason, or Brother Nathan, or Brother Johnny, or Brother Devin, Sister Angie. It's your job. My job is to lead and feed you. Your job is to follow and swallow and go do the work of the ministry. These are our marching orders. So let's get with it. Let's get on board. Let's be on mission with God. Heavenly Father, I pray that that would happen today in our hearts. If there's anyone in this room who's never been saved, I pray that today they would accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Pray the sinner's prayer, be saved and have their sins forgiven. Lord, for the rest of us, may, may we take seriously the mandate that is given in Matthew chapter 10, not just to those first 12, but to all of us, that you've called us, equipped us, and prepared us to be on mission with you. And help us, dear Lord, just to go out tomorrow. No, no, Lord, today. Help us to go out today and start telling people about Jesus, telling them our story of how you set us free, inviting them to Christ, inviting them to the church. And Lord, if they say no, if they ignore us, if they scorn us, if they even start making fun of us, Lord, I pray that we would just take your advice, shake the dust off our feet, and go to the next person. Lord, may we come today to the altar and make that commitment that we're on board, that we're with you, that we're going to be your hands, your feet, your voice, that we're going to be your light in this dark world. Help us to come, dear Jesus, and follow you. In Jesus' name I pray. Would you stand with heads bowed and eyes closed as they sing, I have decided to follow Jesus. Why don't you come and make that public? Come to the altar and make your decision to be on mission with him. Sing this with the praise team. shall we? we make that bold declaration to you today. We are going to follow you and not turn back. We are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus. Lord, you've called us, equipped us, and prepared us. Help us, dear Lord, therefore, to be on mission with you. Help us to receive these marching orders and to go share Jesus with our world. Help us to make an impact in this dark world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you be seated just for a moment?
Come back next Sunday. Does it get tougher? Yes, it does. Listen to this, our verse for next Sunday. Look, Jesus said, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. I don't know anyone who has accepted that as their life verse. <laughs> but it's going to be good. It's going to be good. When you walk out of the building today, make sure you drop your offering in one of those black boxes. We certainly appreciate that. 6.30 tonight on Facebook Live, Brother Don Smith is going to be teaching our Bible study that is online. Tune into that. Come back Wednesday night. We have services and things going on for all age groups, so be here for that. Pray for Joe Nichols. Joe lost his sister, Martha Mizell. The funeral is going to be tomorrow at 10 o'clock at the First Baptist Church in Greenwood. Uh, I've, I've known Martha since I've lived here. What a great woman she was, godly woman. Please pray for Joe and his entire family. You are loved. Do you know that? You're loved. Turn to somebody and say, you're loved. You're loved, you're loved, you're loved. Staff loves you, I love you. Most of all, God loves you, so be on mission with Him. See you.